0: Hello, hello, I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I hope you had a lovely summer break. If you remember well, we took the month of August off so that we can prepare the episodes for the rest of the year, especially September and October, but also have some have a break and ha- have some rest. But basically nothing went according to plan in August. So those of you who know me will know that I like my plans. I do not like when things don't go according to plans. But hey, that's life. I can't control everything. We headed into the summer with an episode with Neha Wadman talking about how to establish yourself in a new role. And I feel like very soon I am going to need these tips. So basically what happened is that I took voluntary redundancy from my job at Cardly So when we're publishing this episode now, early September, I am no longer at Carlytics and it's going to make for a few interesting months, let's say. Let's see what, what life has in reserve for me now. But I just came back from a few days in Italy, which was great because we spent so much time in nature, so much time with friends and family. And it was all I needed because the last few weeks have been very, very stressful. So having that break was was quite great. But enough of that, let's get to today's episode. I am joined today by Adriana Beal, Lead Data Scientist at Slalom. If you're looking to take ownership of your career or mentor someone who eats, this episode is definitely for you. In this conversation, Adriana shares her best advice to data analysts and data scientists who want to take the driver's seat. You will also hear about why she prefers working as a consultant rather than a full time employee and how to translate a business problem into a data science project. Hey, Adriana, thank you so much for joining me on the Women in Data podcast today. I am super excited to have you here. We've been chatting for a while and we're having to do a super speedy recording because. Uh, The weather is great in London and my neighbors are getting ready for a barbecue. So before (laughs) they start partying downstairs, let's have this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You've got a a very interesting background and we're going to touch briefly on that, but very much focus on, you know, your best advice for data analysts and data scientists in their career. Before we get into that, could I invite you to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. So I'm a lead data scientist currently employed by a global consulting firm that focuses on strategy, technology and transformation. And in my job, I help client companies tackle their most challenging business problems using machine learning and predictive analytics. Very diverse from designing a model to predict yield and sweetness of oranges in Florida for a fruit juice producer. And in my current project, I'm developing an anomaly detection to help prevent fraud in an online marketplace.
0: Okay, so very diverse indeed, because you're looking into, I guess, agriculture and things like that, but also looking into fraud analysis. So. Yeah,
1: everywhere from healthcare to financial industry, anything goes. <laughs>
0: So you are into consulting now, as you said, but you were not always into consulting. Would you say it's the diversity of the projects you're working on that brought you there? Yeah, for sure. I loved all my non-consulting
1: jobs, but throughout my career... There was always a time between the first and second year mark at my full-time jobs where I looked around and realized that I had and staying longer would only cause me to limit my ability to learn and grow because things weren't going to change as fast as needed in the organization for me to invent new approaches for my work. So my consulting jobs were always the ones where I stayed longer, five years, eight years, precisely because of the volume of learning opportunities presented by that diversity of business problems that I was hired to solve.
0: That's a very interesting perspective. And there are so many of us that have this thought about, you know, if you stay in your company for a while, are you being stagnant? Are you not learning enough and all these things? And I'm actually going to release an episode with Jenna, who is a friend of mine, in a couple of months on a similar topic. So it will be great to actually have this conversation with her. And then maybe at some point we can all chat about it. Yes. <laughs> you mentioned the fact that, not that you have seen it all well in the company, that, but that things were not moving fast enough for you in the company to help you grow and learn more. So did you feel like when you were not working in consulting, your potential was limited?
1: Here's what I feel is that in the short term, I don't see much difference, right? If you're in a full-time job or in consulting... Really, in both roles, you do have that first phase of accelerate learning where you're trying to absorb a huge amount of new information, learn about a new business domain, and so forth. But always, I reached a point where I felt like the bulk of my learning was behind me. In mm. consulting, most projects you finish in a matter of months. So there's rare the case of a year-long project. So to me, the key difference that makes consulting A better fit for my goals is continuous learning. I'm not saying it's impossible to keep learning and growing when you spend, say, a decade or more working for the same company. But many of the data scientists in my network who are thirsty for growth often admit to me that after one or two years in a job, they've reached a point where they're no longer learning as much or growing in the same pace as before.
0: And continuous learning is so important in our careers with the technology moving so fast. It's something that's very important and something I'm actually very passionate about as well. Uh huh. Let's move towards your best tips for data analysts and data scientists in their careers. Something that I find very difficult in our field is that roles are very poorly defined at the moment. So people are still struggling to see, to find out what it means to be a data analyst. What does it mean to be a data scientist? And other roles have been around for for a while now. that there, there is still this, I guess, barriers toward really understanding what our job is and what we're trying to do. But while companies are trying to figure this out, and uh, I guess put the right job title on the right job, What would you advise a data analyst or a data scientist to do to actually take the driving seats and and make their career what they want it to be? Companies struggle a
1: lot. And I I think it's across all jobs that are knowledge-based, right, (laughs) to really design jobs, the right way for to optimize productivity and growth. So I think the best advice is to avoid roles that first require excessive specialization, which I think limits our growth. So in data science, that could be, for example, a role in which you're exclusively responsible for a pricing model or for search results optimization all the time, right? There, there's little room there to keep expanding your knowledge to different kinds of business problems. So pay attention to that. A job is too specialized that might not be the best for continuous learning.
0: Sorry, when you say to specialize, it's not necessarily you specialize in an industry. It's really on a daily basis, you're going to be working on the same type of project. Absolutely. That's a good point because you could be in healthcare, but there's so
1: many different problems you could be solving in healthcare, right? You could be working on medical claims processing. Then you could be working on customer success, all sorts, providers or, or patients. So- that you have breadth of opportunities to learn. But if you're focused only on claims processing, for example, that's too vertical for me in terms of uh, limiting your opportunities for growth.
0: Yeah, that was kind of my first job, I remember. And it actually, I remember when we got together the first time, you were talking about being bored and feeling like it was very repetitive, which is why you decided to change. But my first job was exactly like that. It really put me off modeling I want to say because I was building the same model over and over and over again and it was extremely boring yeah and for people who are creative and curious
1: about learning right it yeah. definitely becomes more and more limiting you're just being able to do your eyes uh, your, with eyes closed to your tasks and that's mm-hmm. not that's a point showing you it's a sign to move on yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your next advice?
1: Yeah. So the other thing that I feel like if you want to find a well-designed job is to also pay attention to the expectations that come to it, right? You, you see many job ads saying, oh, we want someone will be flexible, right? So where the employer is assuming the hired person is going to wear multiple hats and tackle any task thrown at them. And that, to me, is a red flag. If you have, for example, a business analyst who's also in charge of quality assurance testing or project management or a data scientist that's also supposed to build, uh, not only build predictive models, but also be responsible for the entire data pipeline. That to me means that you are taking a job that will inevitably at some point cause you to have conflicting interests and responsibilities competing for your attention and all that will reduce your productivity and your ability to grow. So I definitely always avoided hybrid jobs of jobs that required you to hire too many hats because no matter how capable you are of doing all those tasks, The context switching alone is such a productivity killer that you're never going to get as good as you could be if your job is much better defined.
0: That's a very difficult one, right? Because I... Totally hear what you're saying. This is something I'll I avoid as well because it's like, where do I actually focus, and then how do I manage to grow in all these different areas and see what it is that I'm meant to be doing and what I'm meant to add value. But let's imagine someone who is interested into, I don't know, the startup space. So when you're in a startup space, you're going to be required to actually wear many hats. So Do you feel like, I don't know if you've worked in startups before, but do you feel like this is, is that dangerous for an analyst or a data scientist when they're trying to, to get their career, not under control, (laughs) but to thrive in their career? Do you, do you feel like this would be um, an obstacle? Yeah. So here's the thing. I've
1: worked in all kinds of organizations, from organizations that had 400,000 employees to ones where I was the sixth employee or the forty. Employee. And everywhere I was able to stick to my area of expertise. I would be joining, for example, pre sales calls. I would be doing a variety of tasks, but those weren't part of my day to day you know, activities. So if something that is sporadic, you need to cover a or a project manager that's out on maternity leave and things like that, that's fine. Or, you know, help with marketing. I would write blogs and everything, but they were not part of my core activities. My core activities are either business analysis or data science. And that was my focus. So I could say no to things that were, you know, too far from my critical path. And that to me is the important part. It's not that you will never do different things, but it's not your day-to-day responsibility to be in charge of things that are competing for your attention all the time. So that to me is the big problem.
0: That's really interesting. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Let's go to your next tips. What is it? So the other thing that I feel like it's
1: very important if you are interested in in growing your career is to avoid non-promotable work. And this is advice that's particularly important for women because research shows that women spend 200 more hours a year in non-promotable work than men. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. And women of color are even more overburdened than white women with those tests, according to research. So being aware of the situation is a very important step to make things more equitable.
0: And this is a topic I covered, I think, in May with Debbie Karen, Yamini Chris, Christian Muti, where they were talking about this thing called glue work, which is exactly that. So it's non-promotable work, but something that is quite useful for the team to have. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then it often falls either on the female or a woman in the, um, in the team, or someone who is very junior and feels like they can't say no. And I would advise anyone to listen to this episode because that was that was quite good. How would you say no to that kind of work?
1: What I do and advise our listeners to do as well is to pay attention so you never become so involved in Commitments outside your critical path responsibilities that you eventually become overwhelmed and your own critical path work suffers, right? So things like being invited to organize team events. I say no and I'm sorry. I'm too busy. (laughs) Definitely. I, I am not shy about saying no to those things. And the other thing that I do is help other women. So, for example, if I see that a woman is constantly being asked to be the note taker in meetings, I don't hesitate to suggest that it's time to do a rotation and assign a male colleague to the task this time, okay. you know. So yeah, help each other to make sure women are not overburdened with non-promotable work like, you know, organizing events or taking meeting notes, things like that.
0: That's, uh, that's a really good advice, actually. It's already you know, championing others and making sure that we say, hold on, there is something that's not right here. Absolutely. So far we have avoid jobs that are too specialized. We also have pay attention to the expectations that come with the job. So that's around jobs that require you to wear too many hats. And you also mentioned now to avoid non-promotable work. Do you have anything in your, in your list of tips? You know, the other thing that really helped me develop my career faster was diversifying
1: my experience. We talked a little bit about it in terms of, you know, going into consulting to help that, but you could do that as part of a full time job as well. But. Then what I would do, especially if you are in a full-time job in which it's easier to get stuck in doing the same thing all the time, is to pay attention to opportunities to diversify. Like, for example, if you're always working customer-facing projects, try to work on an internal project from time to time and vice versa. Because this will give you a broader view of how your company operates and Uh, the opportunity to work in different kinds of problems. So looking for diverse work, for me, also helps you to become a T-shaped professional, right? Which is one of the most powerful strategies I think exists.
0: What do you mind by T-shaped professional?
1: A T-shaped person is someone who has deep knowledge in one area, but also a breadth of general knowledge and soft skills. So in my case, just to give an example, that meant developing deep knowledge on statistical methods, machine learning algorithms, explainable AI. These are my areas of expertise, so I need to be very deep on that. But data science is a very broad field. So in order to become a true specialist in those areas, first, I had to decide what not to focus on. So, for example, I don't read papers about computer vision and image recognition. And that's what gives me time to expand my expertise in my field of specialization, which is predictive models using tabular data. So that's my vertical line in the T-shaped model. For the horizontal line, my focus is on my soft skills and general knowledge in things like behavioral science, ethical AI, and data strategy. So I always recommend people learn what is your... Your vertical line, your specialization and also your horizontal line, the types of soft skills and broad skills across the critical path of your organization that you can acquire. I feel like this would require a
0: podcast by <laughs> <on> <laughs> yes. just to explore these things. Yeah, I'm thinking I might need to sit down and think about what my vertical line is, really. You know, focus on
1: your own critical
0: path, your own career's critical path, for sure. I will do that and then I will message you about it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) All right, what do you have next? Uh, Well, I know that some people want to go
1: into leadership. It wasn't always my intention and I'm Kind of a lead in my data science projects, but I never wanted, for example, to be a people leader. But some people want to be leaders, and I think for that you should learn how to be a multiplier leader. Uh, you can look up Liz Wiseman, she wrote a book about the multiplier leader, which is someone who actually brings out the best in other people, right? So mm-hmm. if you want to be a leader, you shouldn't be focused so much on become the most expert person or the best subject matter expertise, but you should be learning how to bring out the the intelligence in others. So, if that's the path you're looking for, definitely that would be uh, one good tip to become a multiplier. Leaders, leaders who use their intelligence to amplify the smart and capabilities of others.
0: That's a really good advice because actually, when you're a leader, a people's manager, the work shifts a bit. So, you're not the one. What the one working on the project, it's your role is actually to set the t- direction and help others grow. So definitely bringing the the best out of your team is on top of the priority list. Yeah.
1: And some people think uh, uh, wrongly that, yeah, no, I'm now leading. I need to be the best subject matter expert, but your role now changed. So keep that in mind if you're going toward leadership roles.
0: Yeah. I was speaking with Sophie Duffy in, I think we had an episode in June that was talking about future-proofing your career. And what she did was she was not working in analytics so she's not an analyst she comes from a business slash strategy background and now she's um, managing teams of analysts and what she was saying from her leadership is really being able to appreciate the fact that somewhat sometimes you just don't know (laughs) what you you don't know there are people in your team that are going to be better at you at a specific thing and have a skill that's going to be better than yours and embrace that then if someone asks you a question that you can't answer direct them to the person in your team that has that skills and will be the subject matter expert in that area.
1: Yeah, I was listening to that podcast recently and I think that's perfect advice, you know, feel comfortable directing people to the right expert. That's not your primary contribution in your role. The last thing that I would recommend then is not to become complacent, right? I know that you already talked about this in, in previous podcasts as well, but that is really important. You need to be to remain always hungry for knowledge and for curious about learning new things because that's basically the only thing that in a world that's constantly changing and requiring different skills from us, that's the way we can grow, thrive and truly become people who can grow a career and do work that we love to do. Don't being complacent is the first step to get there.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely one that's important. So, for example, when you were talking earlier about you know, when you are in your role, you're doing something that's similar for a while. Uh, it's very easy sometimes to just sit in that role and then let life happen, stay here, go with the flow. And then you end up not learning and not growing. I guess sometimes in, it's your, in your life, it's okay to do that if you have a lot going on elsewhere. But if your goal is to grow professionally, definitely complacency is quite bad. And I remember listening to one episode from, I think it was the data scientist show with Harpreet, who is actually the host of, the artist of data science. So He was on a different show and he was talking about that, saying that it was the biggest mistake he's done in his career so far. So it's quite interesting that you're bringing it up as well. Yeah, for sure. And
1: like you said, it's it's fine for a period of time and say, no, okay, I have too much going on in my life. And for now, I'm just going to feel comfortable here. But I've seen people who spent like six years just being very comfortable and then they... Mm got a layoff and now what, right? They didn't have a network. They didn't have a variety of experience to offer to another employer. So definitely not a good idea to stay too long, complacent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And, um, so just conscious of time, there is one thing I would love to pick your mind on. And that's because you're working on so many different projects and with so many different stakeholders. I feel like an issue we have in our field, aside from the fact that roles are not well defined is really this thing around really understanding what the business problem. So these things that we're trying to solve. And I was just wondering if quickly you could give us. Your best tip. So how do you do that with the clients you work with?
1: Yeah, it's funny because many data scientists say, I, I saw people posting LinkedIn, oh, the hardest part is make a data science project reflect a true business problem. But I think it's just because people aren't trained to do that. And it's actually much simpler than they think and the solution is really to find you know the link between the machine learning challenge or whatever challenge you're working on that's technical and the actual business problem behind it right a concrete business gain that you're trying to obtain from that technical challenge that you are working on so how do you frame a problem as a valid business problem is Fixing on the desired outcomes. So the direct benefits the project is meant to produce. So instead of saying, oh, my work is to extract skill requirements from job posting data, you would say, "Okay, the desired outcome here is to minimize the time and effort it takes for recruiters to find the best candidates for a job opening. So now you can formulate a valid business question, like how might we quickly sort through a large volume of candidates to identify those most closely aligned with a job? description. Now you have this full clarity about what is the business goal, right? That is fully aligned with the critical path because your solution is meant to improve the precision and agility of business decisions. So always going back to the desired outcomes for the project will get you faster to a good business problem formulation.
0: That's a good one. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to close the podcast, I wanted to ask you, so people who've been following us for a while, you will notice that I'm changing a bit the questions. (laughs) So I gave you two options and that's what is going forward. I'm going to try that, give my guests two options. And the first option is to keep that question around what helps you in your career development and your, or your personal development. And the second one is what you're learning at the moment or what you're interested in. And you said you want to answer the first question. All right. So what? Do you read or listen to or even watch that helps you in your career and personal development? Sure. So I love to read, but these days it's
1: easier for me to find time listening to podcasts while, while I'm walking or exercising. So I have two favorite podcasts that I find useful for both career and personal development. So one is Deep Questions by Carl Newport. He's a computer science professor who talks about how to focus without distraction on our most important work so we can accomplish more with less effort. I think it's perfect for uh, Women in Data podcast and listeners. And the other one is the Behavioral Grooves podcast. They talk about complex concepts of behavioral science to explain human behavior. So when you're talking about the horizontal line on, on your T-shaped growth. This is a great podcast to listen to. And one of the episodes that I recommend to listeners is about one of the topics we discussed today called Women Do Too Much Non-Promotable Work, How to Say No More Times with Linda Babcock. So take a listen. I think everybody will learn a lot from it.
0: That's, uh, yeah, and I'm definitely going to head to that. I think the first one, so the one that was deep question, I'm going to go and download an episode right now oh you're going to love it thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today adriana it was a Uh, pleasure to have you my pleasure as well thank you thank you for listening to the women in data podcast we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest until then if you have two minutes it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible but also to enhance the content If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.